Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Inspired Evolution. I'm your humble host, Amrit Sandhu, and you're tuning in to a conscious conversation designed to help you grow. Our mission here is simple. It's for you to live your purpose, live your best life, live the life you love. This podcast is sponsored by Enthusiasm for Life, by great creation itself. To keep the good vibes flowing for myself and yourself, do us a solid. Subscribe to the Inspired Evolution podcast on YouTube, the home of the Inspired Evolution podcast. Now sit back, relax, open your mind, open your heart to this conversation and stay inspired. Keep evolving. Welcome to the Inspired Evolution. It is, ladies and gentlemen, hold on, a treat to be here today. We have with us Adrian Kayla. Adrian, how are you? I'm so good, man. You didn't tell me that was going to happen. That's amazing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, do I have the guts to like try to like equal that? <laughs> 
That was so great. Anyway, so good to be here, Everett. It's so good to be with you, man. Oh, it is such a pleasure to have you here. We're going to be talking about all things fearless coaching and leadership today. But man, before we get started, I've got to do the honors and just tune the audience into who you are and what you're up to in the world. Guys, if you are an entrepreneur um, or a leader, or a founder, please do go check out Adrian's Instagram. There are little bite-sized nuggets in there that are actually just the right size of consumable, yet also they mix in just the right amount of transformation. Transformative profundity is, <laughs> is what I'm going to call it. Um, <laughs> the insights are just super clear, super uh, snackable super snackable. So please go check that out. He's a leadership engagement expert and the founder of the executive coaching firm Take New Ground. And he actually coaches passionate and frustrated founders in new ways to get what they want in their professional and personal lives. One of the things you mm. will find himself saying, which I should probably just give him space to talk rather than me just take over, is the no bullshit approach. You're going to get a lot of, uh, yeah, just no bullshit here, um, which I'm really excited to unpack, explore, take further. Adrian, thanks so much for being here and doing this with us today, mate. Oh yeah, excited, and uh, I'm hoping uh, um, to be able to make a difference with these amazing audience that you've got. You've spent some time explaining to me how much you care about the people that tune in. And anyway, thanks for listening. Anybody listening, thanks for being here. Hopefully, keep listening in. If I'm an idiot early, just hold on. I, it'll something will evolve <laughs> over time. We're about we're about evolution here. So give, give me some room. But anyway, thank you, man. Honored, always honored. Thank you. Oh man, you're super humble. Thank you so much for that. Like I wanted to um start with providing some context. So, you know, sure. early on, do you look back at yourself? Um, because I know like one of the and I'm already programming your answer, so I should back off a little bit. But do you ever look back at the at the at the ten year old or you know, the eight year old or the thirteen year old Adrian and go, ah, oh, I was always going to be this guy, um, leadership coaching. And, you know, do you like, are there some sort of, uh, breadcrumbs to the trail in terms of the kid that was Adrian that is, um, mm. helping people here today now? That's a fun question. I, I like it. You don't have to worry about your form of question. I probably want to answer <laughs> it anyway. Um, no, but I, I dig that question, man. It's very interesting. Um, uh, maybe, I mean, kinda, um, mm. What I, I'm thinking about what I thought about back then, which was, first off, I was really, uh, really blessed or uh, fortunate to have a couple parents that were very present. Mm -hmm. um, and I grew up in a very small town of 8,000 people in the middle of nowhere in Illinois, which is like south of Chicago for those Aussies listening. Mm -hmm. um, and go down four hours south of Chicago and there's a bunch of cornfields and then there's like 8,000 people tucked in there and I was one of those. Um, yeah. But they were both amazing human beings, my parents were, but both public school teachers, they taught in the public school for 35 years. My, mm -hmm. you know, they were involved in a local, you know, church that they helped, they helped start and were very involved there. And my mother was a musician and my dad was an elder there and all just all that to say my dad started you know baseball leagues and anyway very involved folks so i got to see what leadership looked like and mm. we were involved like we weren't a sideline family we were an involved family and you know uh, they made a difference they definitely made a difference in the community um and didn't talk about it they just did it it was like a way of living for them and so part of that, the answer is like, that was like kind of in my world, you know, like you get involved and you make a difference and you do mm. something and you follow your passions and you mm. give your gifts 
and you care about people. And I saw my parents doing that and they're both very specific ways, but I saw them doing that. So I'm sure that was there some. Um, and we were active, you know, active family and athletic family. And, um, and I was, you know, and so anyway, so I, I knew I liked leaders. Mm. I knew I was a leader early, mm. um, just by just the natural tendencies of having an opinion about what to do and, mm. and, you know, stepping up and that, you know, we're at recess and, um, you know, we've got 20 minutes to play basketball. The fastest thing to do is somebody to step up and be a captain and tell the other captain, okay, you pick, I'll go mm. first. You go da, 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 da. And I, you know, that was all pretty innate. So yeah, being a leader was pretty innate. I didn't know mm. if I'd be coaching leaders, but I, I found out early I was odd for a lot of reasons. I mean, mm. it's still a long list. It's growing <laughs> over time, but um, I, in my family, I was odd because I really wanted to talk. Mm. Um, and we were an active family. And I just remember having those feelings early. We're at the picture us at in the dinner table and we're, you know, the, the TV's playing and the four of us are sitting down there together. And I was always wondering, why do we have the TV on? Can't we just mm. talk? Mm, 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 mm. And so I was like, odd. I was odd in that way. Or I was, you know, in my family, my, they would joke about it. They weren't really joking, but it would come off like a joke. It's like, Adrian, not everything is so philosophical. <laughs> or, Adrian, why, why do you have to ask such psychological questions? It's not that serious. Why don't you lighten up? And for me, it was just, you know, I was, let's talk. How do you, how do you get friends? Yeah. You know, I had a lot of friends, but how do you like build a friendship or this girl, mm. this thing happened and I don't know what to do next and what, you know, or the, anyway, I was always wondering about life mm. and and also internally kind of angsty, like, like wondering how to make something happen. Mm. So all that to say, I do all that all the time now. And over, over time, you know, this has become, which I think, you know, when people look at vocation, I know we'll get into some of those conversations today is like, the question for me was, which I think for all of us is, what's the environment where I can, where my full self-expression is celebrated. Mm. And you know, the coaching environment is that for me, I get to really fully like be myself with no apologies. And it really works. So I don't have to like titrate myself down or become less or, you know, hold back at all. So um, yeah, so yeah, that's why I got, you know, I didn't know, but, but definitely some breadcrumbs. And then over, over time, you know, they, things, things were affirmed all along the way. So I kind of naturally got here, uh, but then there's definitely been a handful of steps to kind of find this specific type of coaching. Yeah. Well, I, um, oh man, there's so much in there. Thank you so much for unpacking that. And one of the pieces in there is your parents' example that you, you reflected upon. I find really interesting because I've just become a father. I say just, it feels mm -hmm. like I'm still waking up from all the sleepless nights. <laughs> Nights to be yeah. uh, 15 months. He's 15 months. So he's no 15. longer a baby. He's, he's, he's toddling around a little. Um, but yeah, mm. the example, and I, one of the real awesome. questions I've been having is that he's not going to do what I say, but he's going to do what I do. <laughs> um, and I, right part of me wants to just sort of, you know, not like super deep, but just wants to sort of pick a little bit and wondering, do you reckon your parents are just following their passions? Cause that was what lit them up or, because I know some part of me egotistically harbors the um, the awareness now that the inspired evolution is even more important because it's like 
I'm setting an example that, yes, you can do the things that, putting it in your words, finding myself in an environment where my fullest expression is fully celebrated. I can't tell you how much I love that. That is like everything mm. to me. Um, so, awesome. yeah, you, can, you know, you can steal it. I just made it up. You can steal it. <laughs> Man, go for I'm, it. It's all yours. It's, yeah, I'm all in there already. <laughs> I feel it's just in <laughs> languages to me. Um, yeah. So, mm. in there, you know, realizing, do you reckon some part of their orientation was, um, did they harbor some of that awareness or were they just following their passions because that's what was most important to them? I, I don't think it was either for them, to be honest. Mm. I think, you know, they're both what my dad is was he's born in 48 so he's 74 mm. and my mother's 70 and you know they they were of the generation at least in the u.s i'm guessing this is more of a global i've never thought about that but you know they picked a career and they just did it yeah and it wasn't a lot of wondering about it and for them they i mean my father taught at the high school he went to <laughs> um you know so i they and partially why i answer this as well is because you know, people usually ask what they wonder about. Mm. So my parents, I don't remember my dad ever asking me, what are you passionate about? You know, or what, what inspires you? Um, mm. I did think he followed what was innate to him. I don't even think he has that language. I think he might laugh if I asked him that now. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. <laughs> mm. Back to a philosophical question he doesn't want to answer. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they they knew, but they're all, but they're very like beautifully faith-based people as well. And so yeah. that kind of make a difference with other people was a definite part of who they are. Yeah. Um, and they're people centered people. So they would see needs and go do it. So it, it was so matter of fact for them. It wasn't any, I think some of the follow your bliss conversation or follow your passions conversation, not all of it for sure, mm. but some of it can be really self-indulgent. Yeah. And, um, and there's, even if, even if you start there, there's nothing, even a problem. And not necessarily the most well. pragmatic either. Right. Like, cause right on, we're going to talk about some of that. Right. Because it's also, you bring on the no bullshit approach as well, which is like, you know, it's, it's been a minute that I've been, you know, follow your purpose, find your purpose. Purpose is a big conversation here at the inspired evolution. And oftentimes yep. people sort of see it and from the outside looking in as this silver bullet. It's like, I'm going to get this, follow my passions or follow my dreams. And because yep. I'm so alive behind it, things will just become like alive and, and woof, like it's going to be like, you know, a fireworks going off every single day of my life. And it's, yeah, man, there's, there's a lot, Not that. it's a lot in there. There's heartache in it. There's, there's all sorts of stuff. And yeah. I'm, I'm going to take that opportunity just quickly to sort of also pepper in, like for those tuning in, like you've got a background in philanthropy, ministry, activism, medicine, like yeah. you've invested in a lot of different spaces um, and also leveraging your response that you just gave to the question then a little bit as well, which was, you know, talking about <clears throat> always being sort of like the natural leader in these, even these little gaps as a, as a kid and also loving talking through there, like, you know, you've obviously found where you're most celebrated as uh, in leadership and coaching now. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, it's, is the, is the, is the road there is, can you describe a little bit about the road there? Because I think, and maybe some of the pitfalls or some of the challenges that the average person looking from the outside in that you would imagine would like to know, but probably doesn't know. Yeah. Okay. Just taking some notes. Um, because even what we were talking about earlier, I'm sure it'll come back up. It'd be, let me say it now before, before I miss it. Because yeah. the, 
um, yeah, the whole follow your purpose and follow your passion idea obviously mm. means a lot of different things to other people. And mm. I think we ought to get clear about uh, and actually go have an answer for how do I make my life count? Which essentially is like another maybe slightly edgier version of live your purpose. Mm. Um, I want to live somebody, I heard somebody say it years ago, like they'll be willing to be a means to an end, mm -hmm. which is a weird way to think about a life and might sound even utilitarian, but like, mm -hmm. what am I, what do I want to be used for? Like if I've got, let's say, how old am I now? 42. If I've got another 40 years left, let's say, what outcome do I want in other people of mm -hmm. those 40 years? And how do I want them to be spent or them, them to be used? Mm -hmm. How do I want to utilize that in order to make a difference? And to your point, a lot of people I think that are following their purpose actually are following a mood, mm -hmm. which is, I think, some of the subtext of what you're saying, which is like, if I'm following my purpose, that means I'm going to be happy all the time. Yeah. And, and you know, not the case. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you're ready, you're, you're following your fantasy instead of your purpose. Mm. Um, because even the word passion, which has become very about excitement, um, which is there's great uses for excitement. But passion is, you know, the etymological term, which I'm sure you think about this a lot or, or know this already, but, you know, passion is suffering. That's what the word mm. means. Like the, like the passion of the Christ, yeah. that, that movie that it's nobody's a movie people, all about watch. suffering. Yeah. All about something, but you know, that, that that's became a movie, but before that it was stages of the cross mm. in the Catholic church, the passion of the Christ were these stages of the cross, all these things that happened, which were all suffering based and mm. what type of suffering did did he let's we can use him as an archetype but mm. did this hero in the story what prices did he pay for the sake of other people mm. like every hero is paying prices for the sake of other people so passion means suffering for the sake of others so it's not about you know being excited all the time it's like what's worth the cost of admission Mm -hmm. You know what, you know, when we say vision, like vision is a picture of a future worth having and the worth having is what am I willing to suffer for and suffering is what am I willing to be a fool for what am I willing to learn about and what am I willing to look silly about and how mm -hmm. am I where am I willing to be a rookie, you know, and come in as a novice and have to get take all the ego off and go be an apprentice maybe, or whatever like, that's the suffering maybe in our modern age we're not carrying a cross around on our back but we are psychologically becoming a rookie. Mm. Um, or having tough conversations. Um, like anyway, there's lots of ways that suffering could show up, but anyway, I wanted to get that out just cause it was like re really, no, I, appreciate I think it's it. important, especially, yeah. especially for a younger generation. Yeah. People like to dog on them because they are entitled. No, there's just not a vision for, I mean, we've not done a great job. I think of inviting people into meaning. Mm. Um, we've invited them into reward, but not into meaning. Meaning is going to take a sacrifice and that's actually what makes it worth it. Mm. Otherwise it's just like, you know, if I, if I gave my son a $500, what would he want? I don't know, a $500 bike, let's say mm. he won't care. He won't care. But if I helped him find a way to earn a $500 bike, he'll care about it because he suffered to get it. Anyway, mm. we've given, I'll get off my soapbox now. But it's, it's, anyway, I, I'm, I'm all about like um, helping people set themselves up to get the most meaning out of life. And um, anyway, so when I think about passion, it's always important. A, to talk yeah, there's about a really it. interesting piece in there because 
I've found this from having interviewed so many people and oftentimes people ask me like what's one of the biggest lessons you've learned is that and it's it's sort of in the rub there but my lesson is that it's a bit about the hero's journey which is the biggest challenges often equal your biggest gifts is the way that I've learned to articulate Amen. it but um the Amen. way you're articulating it in well there said. is like your challenges are are what actually make it worthwhile like your challenges right. are actually like what make it worth savoring um yeah 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 which we we, is, we, we yeah. quote we quote campbell all the time we just got out of a four-day personal leadership training we spend most of our time doing consulting work and going in inside companies and stuff but two or three times a year we pull together anybody that wants to come either clients or friends mm -hmm. or whatever and we do these four-day deep dives called the revenant process revenant to come back from mm -hmm. um and we utilize that language a lot, the Joseph Campbell hero's journey, you know, the, the treasure you seek is in the cave you most do not want to enter. Mm. That's yeah. the welcome to life. It's like what yeah. you want, <laughs> the dark cave. Yeah. And you know, you can avoid the cave, you're just gonna give up what you want. You can take yeah. crumbs and act full, or you can say, I'm really hungry and I'm mm. willing to journey into this unknown land that I might not look good might not feel good might not be right might not be in control for survival needs mm. but it's worth it because i want what's in there was becoming a leadership coach a bit of a dark cave for you at some point yes it's a great you ask great questions and i appreciate your questions um <laughs> yes it was uh you know the dark cave initially was who the hell am i you know, what right do I have or what, you know, what, what credentials, at least mm -hmm. I made up a whole story, right? Yeah. And I'll answer your first question now. I'll do it very briefly and we can get back to details if you want. Mm. Um, you know, cause I, I came, I was in, I was in college and liked school. I didn't have a problem with school. I liked school um, mm. and was a football player, American football player in school. Mm. And it was great. And I was going to go be a doctor, but then realized I don't really want to be a doctor. That's my grandmother's dream for me. What mm. do I want to be? I don't know what I want to be. I want to go help people. I like yeah. science though. So anyway, through serendipity, my, my roommate was a nursing major. I'd never entertained that before, but it made sense. Oh, that's like Dr. Light. That's like a shortcut. Okay, cool. So I get to go <laughs> do that. Light. Yeah. Dr. Light. You know, and you yeah. actually get to do the people stuff. You know, mm. it's like, you know, I, I actually liked that more because it's people centric yeah. care <laughs> instead of like research centric. I'm not that... Yeah. I love researchers. I'm just not that guy that wants to be reading and writing mm -hmm. and running experiments all the time and then writing up shit. I want to go watch stuff happen in real time mm -hmm. in the trenches. So mm -hmm. anyway, I was this football player, nursing major, which is quite the, it's like a jumbo shrimp, <laughs> um, oxymoron. Um, but you know, I was, then I, I was, at, I came out and worked in, in, a, in a hospital, children's hospital in Chicago and worked, yeah. worked in the intensive care unit. So very meaningful work, very hard work tragic you know helping kids survive mm -hmm. is is always worth it i didn't it, you know but very taxing of course and then helping mm -hmm. families cope with you know the worst moments of their lives the one they could never imagine was happening and so people go all over the place and people get you know very your know, fear does funny things right some people close down some people get crazy um and uh i love that love that work and then um you know from that my own faith life was ignited and uh, not from that work, but during that time. And I met this guy and he ran a church out in Los Angeles and I came out to be a part of that. But social action was always a big part of 
what was meaningful to me, which social action is such a big term. I liked everybody and I want marginalized folks to have a shot and I want to stand up for the, the, the uh, you know, people that had been under any kind of oppression or even mm -hmm. just had oppressed themselves. Yeah. Um, or anyway, for, I'm, I'm like the guy that knows all the homeless people's first names. You know, it's mm -hmm. like I'm just that guy and we're buddies mm -hmm. and I'll bring you some food and we'll sit down. I'll hear your story. And we'll become friends. And um, I don't know how many of those guys there are out there, but I'm that guy mm -hmm. and uh, love that work. And then I transitioned into um, through that met a guy that wanted to give a lot of money away and wanted mm -hmm. to know how to do that. And um, which meant in the U.S. setting up a private foundation that could give money to other nonprofits or other NGOs. And I would, you know, we, we did our work at the end of the day at the, after I helped him figure out what he wanted to do. Mm -hmm. uh, we worked in the prison system. And so we did leadership transformation work with murderers and like mm -hmm. all lifers. Jesus. And then through, through that and going through all these trainings and finally finding out that I really loved coaching. <laughs> so my, my first coaching client was murderers. Before that, I was like doing a lot of spiritual development work and meeting with people all the time and building teams as a pastor guy. Yeah. Um, but I really liked kind of the no nonsense side of coaching. You know, there yeah. wasn't some kind of um, at times bullshitty, you know, altruistic conversation. Altruistic can be great. It can also be a place to hide. Like piety can be sincere. It can also yeah. be, uh, it can also be a cover of cowardice. Well, right? someone so that's anyway. facing like um, a lifetime in prison, like you, pontification <laughs> versus yeah. as is practically yeah. going to help me think through like my relationship with my situation yeah. right on yeah oh, wow. and we what would um i can yeah, lots of stories in there but to get mm. to your second question so i'd done all that work which mm. to some people was impressive um not necessarily for me i was just following what was happening yeah. you know and i was just being myself in all those environments i never applied for a job those were things that just kind of naturally happened mm -hmm. um but then I get into the coaching work and especially as it starts to grow and it grows rather quickly and I get like my first invite to go in and do work with a corporation and mm. I've never had a corporate job in my life. Didn't want one. Um, <laughs> yeah. Don't fit. You know, I'm not that guy. I'm mm. not, I'm pretty anti-authoritarian naturally. Mm. Um, and I'm bored easy. So like sitting in any kind of like place with no variety is just not that fun for me. I mean, yeah. I love it that people are, and I coach a lot of people that don't have, I mean, do that now and do that really well, but I, that's not me. Anyway, mm -hmm. long story short, the question was, um, for any of the listeners now, they're saying, what the hell are you talking about? The question was, you know, was getting into coaching, was it like a dark, dark cave? Yeah. Like my own insecurities about my own, I don't know, we call it imposter syndrome now mm -hmm. in, in most of the coaches in this space especially in like the business coaching or executive coaching space or old executive, old executives that became coaches. Mentors almost. Um, yeah. Or mentors almost or consultants. They worked at Bain or McKinsey or some of these big mm. impressive companies and got an MBA at Wharton or whatever. And I have a nursing mm. degree and a theology degree. Mm. What the hell? And I'm sitting down with this senior VP of a brand at Nike. And what the hell do I have to say? You know, it's anyway, so I was mm. definitely coming up against all my stories Mm -hmm. that would, if I wanted to, could prove my ineligibility to make a difference with this person mm. instead of what, you know, I ended up seeing over time. Cause I would just never talk about it. I wouldn't let them know my history. Um, mm. 
because at most of the work came via referral and I would just jump in and have a conversation and they wouldn't know what I'd done in the past out of like my own, I don't know if it was as far as shame, but I would definitely not want to bring it up. Mm-hmm. And then finally, finally a guy um, who ended up becoming one of my best friends, like best man at my wedding. Mm. Um, but he was a client, he was a client at the time. Um, and he, he's, he's a, he's a very smart guy, you know, uh, student body president at USC in, in Los Angeles um, youngest partner ever at Goldman Sachs, um, you know, huge resume. And he was running a wealth management firm here in Los Angeles where I live. And, uh, he said to me, cause I asked him, cause he signed up and wanted to do some work together. I said, how come? He's like, you know what? Your history. Like what? He's like, yeah, I don't know anybody like you. I know what people that, that I know how people think that are like me. And I think like me, I want to stop thinking like me. So mm-hmm. I want your variety and your background, and you obviously have made a big impact. These are his words, mm-hmm. uh, made a big impact. And I want that in my life. And I was like, hold on. Yes, what have I been doing? Let's just mm-hmm. wonder for a second about what I've been doing. If it's not about the wrapping paper, it's really about, you know, what was happening in all those contexts. And it really was, oh, being with people in really difficult and challenging, challenging situations and helping them see the most amount of possibilities that could shift their own life and and then summoning their own courage to make heroic decisions like that's really if i was at the if i was at the bedside with a with parents that you know um were facing their darkest hour or i was with people that are making very existential who the hell is god and who am i and should i even care about the world or should i kill myself those types of conversations which i had so many of those Mm. um to working with prisoners or traveling the world. And, you know, we did a lot of stuff in Africa and blah, 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 but working with murderers behind bars, it's like, Oh yeah, I am. I love that shit. I love being with people at the crossroads of life. And I'm really Mm -hmm. good at ordering chaos and helping beauty happen. I am good at that. And so that was the dark cave until I realized like I had turned the lights off, (laughs) you know, and it's like my own beliefs had made it, made it so that it was like a very tight, limited, um, conversation for myself and that I had something to hide instead of just owning it and realizing who I was and who I was becoming. Um, and, and then therefore all that stuff became resource for me. Um, and, and a gift to the other people when I would talk about it in a way that was impactful for them. So, so yeah, that's a great question, man. I find it quite remarkable that the lights when you said turned on were prompted by, um, someone, dear to you. Um, I've had similar experiences in my life where someone's seen more in me that some part of, I need some languaging that doesn't sound so woo-woo, but my spirit or my soul kind of associated with, but my 3D ego version of self was just like, nah, (laughs) and yet they they saw more and some part of me knew that there was always more to me, but I never really like stepped up. And then they mm-hmm. invited, like, they didn't even invite me to step up. They were just like, but you're more. Like, they, that was just, but you're more. And then that encouraged mm-hmm. myself also to look back and go, right, like, actually, whoa, you know. And one of my favorite quotes is this Steve Job, Jobs quote where he reflects back on um, how he just happened to cross, like, a typography lesson when he was away. Like, he was bludging university, walked into a typography lesson. They were talking about how important text is in terms of, you know, having eyes 
dotted a certain way, whatever, you know, serif versus calligraphy, whatever. I'm definitely out of my depth in that conversation. But then when he went to produce the iPod uh, for the first time, like because it was so minimalist, the text was so important. And he reflects mm-hmm. back on these key moments and he goes, when you're navigating life, like it just seems like this fucking constellation. But when you look back, yeah. everything is like deadpan in a straight line. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I I love just because I think even just what that means in that moment, because one of the questions I would love to ask you is how do you encourage others to turn the lights on? Because you've then gone back and stitched into, like you said, pack, unpacked the wrapping paper and gone, actually, if I dig deeper between beneath the surface, I've always been a people person. I've always been surfing calamity and bringing order to it. Um, mm-hmm. And actually the, the environment has changed, but at the bedrock, like the tip of the iceberg is just the, the, the job role that I've been in, but underneath actually I've been doing the Adrian Keller thing. Like that's been me the yeah. whole time. Um, yeah. And I, I, I call that soul spirit. Like that's just my languaging around it. It doesn't necessarily have yeah. to be yours. Um, but yeah, do you, how do you invite other people to turn that light on and find that sort of, like go back and look, do you, is that part of the process in terms of people finding themselves? Do you think in terms of what their biggest gifts are when you're helping people unlock what's next for them? Yeah. Well, great question. Again, the thinking about how I do that, because mm-hmm. I think part of it's a really intuitive, yeah. um, but so there's a couple of things. One is most all of us, if not, if not all of us, and it might just be all of us <laughs> are living some kind of story, right? Like we're not like the invitation human being, you know, I don't, I, don't, I bet we don't get a vote on this either. Mm-hmm. Human being is always living it. I mean, especially as mammals, we know we're intentional beings, period. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have like some kind of narrative going on and we just use the word should like it should be going this way i should be doing that which is clues for i'm playing a role instead of being a person Mm. you know like there's a role that i ought to and sometimes it's handed to us from parents or handed to us from mentors or handed to us from history or even the answer who knows Mm. Mm. where it gets handed to us but we live in this default future and you know, and so step one is to give folks some permission to actually enjoy themselves. And right. Cause I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of, a, there's a lot of pressure a to, lot. to, to, there's a lot of pressure about what you ought to be doing and, and what people are going to think. Social a bitch, man. Like, yeah, it is, man. Well, well, well it is. And there's a lot of payoffs to that racket mm-hmm. as well. Like there's reasons why we do it, right. It's mm-hmm. safer. We get, you know, we don't have to take many risks. We can mm-hmm. be liked. And anyway, there's lots of payoffs too. So there's, mm-hmm. there is, there are prices to be paid, which you're pointing out. It is a bitch. Mm-hmm. And it's also uh, a really safe way to waste a life. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, so giving folks permission to really enjoy themselves and be fully alive. I mean, we live in these narratives about how hard life is and now we just call it busy. We're just busy all the time. And like, you know, I would be enjoying myself if I wasn't blank, if this was, you know, some kind of circumstantial mm. narrative that's limiting myself. So, I mean, I'm always inviting folks into vitality, which they haven't been inviting themselves into vitality, maybe ever, mm. which is just the question of like, what makes you most alive? 
you know, like really, where does life come from for you? Like, where are the, what could be happening mm -hmm. that you don't have to prod yourself at all? You come to the table, baby. Like you love this shit, whatever that is. There are environments or people or opportunities that just make you, I mean, I'm hopping in my seat and make you <laughs> want to do that. Right. Like, yeah, I was mentioning to you before we started recording last night, my, so I've got a 17 year old stepson who's my son, 17 year old who plays American football. And after this, yeah. we're going to go watch the game. He's a second round of playoffs. Go, go Fairfax lions. And, but on the night, the night before the game, he brings his boys over his buddies, 25 of them come over and we feed them and, and then we sit down together and Grant always asked me to say something. And I stand in front of them and I'm frightened, right? That's a harder <laughs> audience. I can, you know, I can go talk to CEOs, talk to a boardroom, do all that, never break a sweat. I'm in front of 25 high schoolers. I'm pissing my pants. <laughs> now, at the same point, why am I so nervous? Because this is fucking awesome. Mm. How I wished a me was there Yo. to go have this type of conversation. Yes, we're not talking about football. I mean, we're talking a little bit about football, but I'm using football to talk about them mm -hmm. and talk about what it's like to be a boy that's 15, 16, 17, and how to be a man, how mm -hmm. to step up and how to like express yourself on the football field and how to build up a teammate that you're pissed at and how to call life out of a linebacker that, you know, has been just took a playoff and how to pull yourself, pull your head out of your ass whenever you want to feel sorry for yourself instead of make a difference. You know, that's life that we're talking about. And I'm, you, know, you don't have to talk me into being stoked about that. Mm. Um, you know, so long answer here, but inviting people into vitality yeah. is you need to give them permission because most people do what, well, there's a kicker guard quote that comes to mind. Mm. Um, and you guys, are, listeners are probably familiar with Soren Kierkegaard. If not, check him out. Danish philosopher back in the shit. I don't know. When was that? I should probably know that. Anyway, mm. he, um, kicker guard, funny spelling anyway just just soren kickerguard soren k philosophy you'll find it on google anyway he said this hmm. is that the is that the there is a type of despair that doesn't know itself as despair and it's the it's the level of despair that's tolerable that you'll call happiness and when i heard that for the first time 10 years ago i thought holy shit that's life you know and it's just called fine Things are fine. Mm. How, how's it going? Pretty good. Which is probably a despair that's tolerable that we just label as pretty good. Mm. And, you know, if you give folks permission to actually love life, great mm. shit's going to come out of that conversation. That there's a lot of detachment that must happen first. So that's why I call it permission. Like yeah. to, you know, to be, to go be crazy. You're taught, you, you know, one of the best commercials ever is that, you know, Apple commercial the the crazy ones mm. um either the only ones that have ever changed the world um but to go ahead and go ahead and follow your bliss as campbell would say or whatever you got to give folks permission um yeah. and it takes a while to really unattach from all the narratives about what i should be doing because it's funny how i call it doubling down on a pair of twos mm. like if i you know if something's not working it's funny how long human beings will defend it <laughs> Right? Yeah, it's embarrassing actually. <laughs> right. I don't talk about anybody yeah. else other than myself. <laughs> Isn't it funny? Yeah, staying stuck with depression. It's just that odd ego thing. It's like, you know, what do you really want to be doing? And we've got a long story about, ah, you know what? I've been here, been doing this thing. And 
you know, I'm this far in now, so I might as well write it out. I mean, I've got that story. You've got that story. Um, but it took you seven years to bail, right? Or whatever it was mm. at the, the engineering job. Mm. And you probably, when did you know, by the way? When did you know for you? You want to know my honest truth? I Day do. One. Day one. Uh, yes. Thank you. I, I had a sense. I remember walking in and do you know in the penny drop? And you'll love this because I remember walking in, looking at my CEO and going, this is a corporate ladder. This is a ladder that lands there. So I know exactly where this is going. And I'd, I'd struggled with six years of depression already, like four mm -hmm. years before that moment. And so there'd been a lot of self-awareness work that had to go into it. When I share this from stage, mm -hmm. meditation reconstituted my life. So one of the happy consequences of med deep meditation is, I guess, you get levels of self-awareness just as a consequence mm -hmm. of that. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the linchpins from my depression, what, like one of the biggest challenges was I was a dishonest person and I just didn't know that mm -hmm. people weren't, I just thought that like people were always fronting all the time. It's just what I grew up with. And then right. I like, it was like embracing honesty was like this value that I could install and even learning that I could install values that could then enrich my life was just like this, like what? Right. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. So that was this huge thing that happened. And then when I got, Fast forward four years later, I was standing in front of the CEO and having chats with him and he was, um, it's, it's interesting because I've, I've seen you use um, profanity, but also it's, I, I see it a bit as a mechanism to sort of connect and also cut through noise. Whereas um, profanity in that space was just, it was more just an effervescence of his toxicity um that yeah. i was correlating it to um and then yep. also he was completely dishonest like even with everybody around him and then also the people that would then work with him from other organizations and yep. he just he just wasn't someone that i could see that had a balance or an equilibrium it was just he was just completely work centric um you can imagine what his home mm -hmm. life would have been like touchwood and it was just like yeah. this ladder goes there and i don't want to be there and i was just like what am i doing here yeah. and then you know the the sort of you talk about you know always harboring some of these sentiments there was a sentiment in me which we will be the change we wish to see in the world and sort of yep. you know going along for about seven years with that sentiment yeah. and that's why like i i yep. was like i was embarrassingly laughing before when i said you know like i totally agree with what you were saying um so yeah it was day one it was day one yeah from that point yeah man well you know and it's such a temptation so I mean, you know, all of us have done that. I've done that before. I mean, I've stayed in things a lot longer, but, and I was just betraying myself over time. Mm -hmm. And once we can get past the horror of that and just be with the is of it, Warner would mm -hmm. say, then it like, if we, you know, anyway, I'm, I, I'm summoning up a mentor, of, a mentor of a mentor of mine. So mm -hmm. I've got this guy named Warner Earhart, who's, mm -hmm was a mentor to my, to my business partner, who is a mentor of mine. Mm. Um, and Werner, if you want to listen to a little bit of Werner, he did a classic three hour lecture called the heart of the matter. Mm. Um, it's fantastic. I'll it's long it show notes. Yeah. yeah check it out. The heart of the matter. It is a, there's a, it's three hours and you might lose you quick. You have to hang mm. with him for a little bit, but yeah. he's brilliant. And anyway, he just says, he, he says, asserts a hint, lots and lots of things so mm. um, but one of them is that we're all racketeers we're all you know we're all running a racket and how do we know we're running a racket it's because we're complaining in our lives mm. and we we but we don't mind complaining 
and we don't mind trading all of what's possible for him. He's the first guy that ever said you could either be right or be loved in a relationship. He was that guy. You know, you probably heard that on social media these days. That's an old Werner quote from 1982. It's because it, we'll give up love because we'd rather be right. And mm -hmm. anyway, his point is that if you can, his, his biggest point is human beings are all racketeers. We're all playing these games, lying to ourselves, essentially, and putting up a front. And that's mm -hmm. really human. You were, you were just talking about yours. I've got plenty as well. Mm -hmm. And he said, if you can get past the horror of that and just be with the is of it, I think a lot of something new is going to happen for you. So if I can like own what he talks about is like, if I, like our best shot as humans is to be authentic about our inauthenticity <laughs> is that we're all really inauthentic and no big deal. And if we can own that, then we've got a shot of like really being honest with ourselves first, which is really the only ball game that matters. Mm -hmm. That's if that doesn't happen, nothing else really. Otherwise we just put live in a persona. Mm -hmm. um, but if we can get past the horror of that and like own how I've, how I've, fooled myself and really betrayed myself then i can then i can do something new because that locates current reality current reality is i've been really dishonest like you're talking and if i can own my dishonesty then i've got a shot then i mean it's, it's weird if mm -hmm. i've lied and then i confess that i've lied then all of a sudden i'm not a liar anymore i'm mm -hmm. an honest person mm -hmm. that's the ironic part about it if i'm you know if i'm honest about my dishonesty then i'm actually honest mm -hmm. and i'm not mm -hmm. dishonest but if I'm dishonest about my dishonesty, then I'm dishonest. But if I'm honest about my dishonesty, then you can say, hey, you lied to me. I'm like, I totally did. You're exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And here's why what was going on for me, what I was making up about you. Would you forgive me? Mm. And that's a whole new conversation. All of a sudden, the, the, the betrayal that might have happened between us is an opportunity for connection. Mm. Like the worst case scenario is actually the best case scenario. Hmm. oddly if we own yeah. it so um anyway thanks for your honesty man i appreciate that i'm no. sure people that have been listening to you for a long time have been like wow what a gift thanks man <laughs> touch wood i am conscious of the time that i've got left with you so i've got some still some deep questions to cover the ground with yeah. so um i'm not going to ask you to rapid fire because that's just rude but um we can do it again if you want by the way <laughs> you know, we don't, don't feel free not to rush we can <laughs> whatever. life is long let's, let's make the most of it thank you for that permission um by the way i love inviting people into vitality there's a whole thing there but you mentioned this as well um when and this is in the subtle nuances of you giving that talk to the footballers in your in your but also plays into the um uh parts of your story as well fear elicits what matters to me when i tune into mm. your work that becomes like ah um i know it to be true yeah. from my story um because yeah. i remember that moment of courage when i disconnected and pivoted um can you unpack that for us and potentially yeah. invite us closer or invite us into a way to work with our fears because yeah. yeah can you elaborate on that and then sort of invite us into yeah practicality it took me a that. second to realize you were quoting me i said that Fear <laughs> what, what matters to me it sounds like something i'd say i'm like i, said that. I like that um fear elicits what matters to me yeah mm. so um well I guess to honor the conversation we've been in, that's the, I mean, if there's a treasure I seek and the only way to get there is the cave, mm -hmm. welcome, welcome to what's coming, right? It's like most of what I want is over the ridge. Mm. And 
if it's within reach, it's probably not my highest vision. You know, I mean, if, if I, when I ask people what their vision is, if it's like really doable, I'm like, that's it. That's all you got. I mean, what are you trying I mean, don't hire me. <laughs> Just do it. Just, I mean, you'll get that done by next Friday. I mean, why, why, why are we talking? I mean, what's, what do you Just really want? Accountability you know? <laughs> oh my yeah, whatever, whatever. Call your mama. She'll help you. Out, you know? uh, Sorry. So, um, <laughs> so, you know, fear uh, elicits what matters to me. Um, if there's something I really want, what's naturally mm -hmm. going to happen is I'm going to think about what it's like not to have it. And mm -hmm. I'm going to be scared that I can't ever get it. Mm -hmm. Um, and because it's, ma it matters to me. So a vision really produces the mattering. And when I say fear elicits, it is like fear naturally gives you indicators. Like fear for me, isn't a big deal. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean, it's an emotion just like anything else. It's a, it's an end. I think about, you know, you know, back at my old office, there was a sign up on the wall that I wrote with like a Sharpie and a piece of paper. So not like a fancy sign. I mean like a piece of paper sideways with me handwriting on it. And it just said, my, my feelings are merely indicator lights. They're not mile markers um, or road signs. Mm. So that's how I relate to any of my feelings. They're just indicator lights. Like they mean something. I don't know what, like when my check engine light on my car goes off, I don't, I'm not a mechanic. I don't know what the hell it means, mm -hmm. but I know it means mm -hmm. something's going on here. Mm -hmm. And you might want to take a look under the hood, but it's not a, it's not a road sign. Like, oh, you should go right because I'm scared. Or it's definitely not a mile marker. And I say that because um, you're a really accomplished guy. I'm a pretty accomplished guy. You know, some people live in a lot of shame. A lot of my clients live in a lot of shame. They're very mm. successful people and scared to death and feel shame about being scared to death. Mm -hmm. And like they shouldn't at this stage in their career. That's what I say, mile markers. I mean that like it's so shit. I, you yeah. know, I better go hide that I'm scared. And I'm saying, Mary, bro, you can't hide anything. I know you're scared. I knew you were scared mm. the first minute we started talking and no big deal. Mm. And, and with what you're taking on, you ought to be scared because mm -hmm. you might not do it. You might look like a fool after this whole thing, mm. you know, anyway, um, that's how I talk to my guys, but the, <laughs> uh, uh, so fear is a, um, is an indicator light is my point. It's telling me something that I'm at stake for something now. Mm. We've got a couple options when I'm at stake. I can either lean into it yeah. and decide it's worth it. And mm -hmm. there's some asymmetries and risk and reward. And you better get clear about that if it's worth it. Mm -hmm. Or some, I mean, fear in and of itself is an evolutionary path. We're here because we were born into this conversation, meaning fear tells me there's danger. And sometimes there's danger. And sometimes there's the appearance of danger. Mm. Right. And I'm just batting at ghosts and I'm just making shit up. And I don't even know, you know, you could think now if you're listening, if I've still, if you're still with me, I, I promise you it wouldn't all be great. But if you're still listening, you think about like, oh, I want to go get that promotion. Hmm. But I already know what he's going to say. That's what we say. I would yeah, go yeah, ask, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I already know what he's going to say, which is hmm. like this apparition, like in, in our, it's really our own dogma and our own egotisticalism that hmm. I know what somebody else is going to say. Um, instead of like, asking myself a lot more resourceful questions if this mm -hmm. was a coaching session we go into all that but my point is that fear is an indicator and i gotta listen to my fear and if i can befriend it most of us don't and it's natural mm -hmm. not to befriend the fear because fear means danger and stay away from danger if you want to survive but if you've already decided to die every day which i decided to die every day meaning like 
I'm going to fail. I'm going to blow it because of the way I've chosen to live, which is to be full blast. I'm going to be mm. fully here. I'm going to say what's going on for me. I'm going to listen. I'm mm -hmm. going to, if something's not working out, I want to know if a client's upset. I want to know mm. if whatever's going on, I just want to be friends with current reality. Now, if I'm going to live like that, then a lot of shit's going to come my way because I want to mm -hmm. see it. I want to know what's going on. I mm -hmm. don't want to be in fantasy land. I want to know what's going on. So, but I, so therefore a lot of fear is going to come up. My insecurities are going to come up. My own fraudulence is going to come up. My own scarcity is going to come up. And that is just going to show up as fear. Now I say, lift up the fear and see what's underneath it. Hmm. If I hang with it long enough and don't think that the stick is a snake, it's just a stick. Then I can like, you know, I'm mixing metaphors now, but I can like lift it up because underneath any fear is a concern and concerns are worth listening to because <sighs> wisdom comes out of properly aligning yourself with concerns and really doing the math or counting the cost. Right. Like if I go ask for, for a promotion, I might get fired. Yes. You ought to be ready for that. <clears throat> you know, maybe they'll give you feedback that you don't want to hear. You better be ready for that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Because they're, they're going to have some kind of answer to justify their whatever their answer is is going to be justified. Mm -hmm. So you're going to you better be willing to hear some honesty if you're going to go ask for something new. So, you know, fear is that thing that like is a great opportunity to go explore. And this, that's why I say it like that's what Matt it, it elicits what matters to us because I love that. if I wasn't scared of it, it wouldn't. There's no value on the other side. Yeah. You know, and I think the real takeaway, like get deeper with it, understand what really, is it real or is it false evidence appearing real? And then yeah. there are concerns in there. And then, you know, what are the concerns? And then, you know, assess them, do the work. I love that. Right on. One of the key questions that comes out from there is then around vision. Um, I know that's, we could probably do a whole podcast just on vision. Um, yeah, but, <laughs> but for those that struggle, very specific question for those that struggle with a vision is there a couple of key points that you help them with um like where do you get them to sort of it's like i'm not visual i can't visualize i don't know where to begin like journaling's not really yeah. my, like where like i can't vision mate like you know um not so much yeah. about pushing them further to dream bigger because that's another conversation for another day but for those that are stuck yeah. and can't vision what do you say how do you help them yeah through? Well, anytime, anytime somebody, when I ask them what their vision is and they say they don't know, mm. they're trying to convince me that they don't have a vision, mm. right? That's what the purpose of that is, is they don't have one. And my conviction is that everybody always has a vision, mm. always, that we know, you know, as mammals, we are intentional. Mm. So um, we don't get a vote on that. We're intentional, period. That's how we've been wired. Mm. So if that's true then me not knowing is my vision. That's kind of a weird way to start, but that's mm. what I want people to buddy up with is that confusion is a very socially accepted vision. Painfully inspiring. <laughs> yeah, right? It's like, if I don't know... <laughs> Sorry about that. That hit it close to home, it's my perfect. friend. It's um, yeah. You know, but if I don't know, the real honest way of answering that is I'd rather not know. My vision is not knowing. And there's lots mm -hmm. of payoffs to that, mm -hmm. right? There's lots of reasons to do that. I mean, one of the things we say in our work with companies, our leaders is the system is always producing the results the system was created to produce. Mm -hmm. 
that's a lot of words. The system's always producing the results that the system was created to produce, right? Mm -hmm. So whatever I have, I must want is another way of saying that. Mm -hmm. And that's very, very counterintuitive. People do mm -hmm. not want to explore that terrain because mm -hmm. they'd rather they'd rather maybe pontificate about what would be great, which mm -hmm. when we talk vision, people talk pie in the sky a lot. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's a great place to start. Like, what's the big picture thing? You know, that's great. But to chunk it down and get really specific about it, there's obviously more vulnerability in that. And so people want to avoid the vulnerability um, of saying what they want because they fear they might not get it. They might fear to be on record or maybe people have used that against them in the past. There's lots of reasons to be vague, right, to be generalized or to mm -hmm. avoid the conversation altogether. So, um, you know, people naturally uh, want to enroll you or any of us into a conversation about why they don't know. Um, I just don't buy it. So I, I just say, well, let's just imagine you do know, then what's it start? Like, just tell me what comes up for you. Or, you know, there's lots of ways to, to at least start practicing the conversation. Cause most of, you know, most of where people don't speak something into existence is that there's just some form of resistance that's happening. Either it's shame or they don't believe in themselves or they're kind of victim-y and they think that circumstances run their world or opportunities are created by other people or, um, you know, just lack of confidence, which mm -hmm. is its own strategy. So I just wanted people to start experimenting, mm -hmm. you know, with, with ideas yep. um, and just seeing what enlivens them, right? Seeing, like, let's just talk. Like, if you really got what you wanted, like really, if you get, if you, if you, if, you, if without any of the natural constraints and limitations you typically bring to the conversation, just let's, let's see all those, put those over to the side. If you could get what you really wanted, it might sound crazy to you. It's okay. Mm -hmm. We're not writing this in stone. What would it really be like? And you could probably start with like being able to express yourself. That would probably be step one. If you've been really repressed mm -hmm. up until now. Um, and so that's why I invite folks into is have some low stakes conversations I love that. and just start to explore it you know, mm -hmm. and experiment and just wonder about it and then try some ideas on. And then if you think you might go want to have that vision, do that thing, go find somebody that's doing it and go talk to them about it mm -hmm. and take it out of fantasy land and like, see what it's really like. If you wanted to go be a podcast host and quit your engineering job and go out and, you know, just saying, hypothetically mm -hmm. speaking, um, <laughs> you know, go see what that's like and try that on. Yeah. Um, and you might find life there and you might realize that, you know, that what you've been doing up until now, um, wow, I mm -hmm. don't I'm surprised I lasted this long. This is so much better. Mm. Um, so I forget yeah. exactly what your question was, but, but for those that are kind of in that kind of stuck place, yeah. I try to first get them to own the fact that being stuck is its own vision. Most people mm. won't have that convo and they'll try to do the work for them um, and try to pry it out of them. But you know, that's not a gift to them either. Cause one of the key things from there is <laughs> that was so profound in itself that if you're not in the vision and you're, some certain like signing up you're basically signing up for more confusion and then also right the key thing that i heard in there was to sort of sort of slip on the on the lock on the gate was almost imagine like just invite yourself to imagine um right and one on. of the things i've found is it's it's pretty trippy but and it may not mean anything to those tuning in and you know you feel like <laughs> you've mentioned a couple of times i hope people are following along but i'm following along i'm sure they are you're incredible with your way with words brother um but in there like yeah sometimes i find with imagine it's like that gets us to one layer and it's like oh, i still can't imagine it's like okay imagine if you could imagine 
what would you imagine? And I know I'm sort of getting yeah. a bit on people, but then it's like, it, it's almost like the density of kind of all the limiting stuff that you've put on yourself just holds right. in there. But then the imagine and the imagine gives you the opportunity. And if you can't just imagine that you can imagine, and it just allows some sort of breathing space for you to come up to surface and create something from there. A question yeah. that is having, I would just, I would just say, I would, if I would add to that is like yeah. people, they can't stop the human soul from wanting a satisfying experience. Mm. you know so maybe it's like imagine you're really satisfied you imagine you're you know like all that's like just look around what are you doing like who are you with mm. you know what are you thinking about what are you wondering about like you know so anyway it's like people are all, we're all wanting a really great experience and it might start with like noticing what's a really shitty experience mm. and then thinking about the opposite of that you know, so anyway, there's lots of ways to get into it. It's fun to like help people unlock that shit and just give themselves some permission to imagine. I love that word. Um, um, yeah. yeah. It's a big question, but I'm going to try and answer in a way that you can give a shorter answer, but probably we'll see where it goes. I, pro I probably won't. Um, You've heard me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying though. The point's intention. <laughs> you mentioned a couple of times. <laughs> How much? Um, uh, how much of it is how much of personal success and maybe it's different as a percentage for personal success and business success how much of a percentage is it mindset and how much of it is strategy mm. gut feeling doesn't That's obviously not an exact science yeah, yeah i hadn't uh, cut it up that way before um, I mean, first off, I don't make a bifurcation between business and personal success. I think they're both the same thing because you happen to be in both places. Mm. And if my, my vocational success is personal, if it's not personal, <laughs> you're doing the wrong thing, right? It's not like I'm not there. I'm just doing a job and don't freaking do a job. Like go find a place to express yourself back mm. at the beginning of the conversation. Yeah. Anyway, caveat, um, how much of it is mindset and how much of it's strategic? I say a hundred percent mindset. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. Here's why I say that. And I make a similar distinction in my work. Mm -hmm. I'll in a room, picture eight senior leaders around the table. And once they get stuck in a conversation, I'll write up on the board intention plus mechanism equals results. Mm -hmm. Intention plus mechanism equals results. And I'll say, okay, mm -hmm. good. It takes 100% to get to results. What percentage is intention? What percentage is mechanism? Which is kind of a chunk down version of strategy, let's say, mm -hmm. the plan. Yeah. Um, what percent? I'll ask them that question. And they go around the room and 50, 50, 90, 10, 10, 90. And I invite people to take on the possibility that's a hundred percent intention. And then everybody gets all offended and I'm so stupid and blah, 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 blah. All that stuff happens. And then I here, cause here's what I say is that if it's something else, then you're in trouble. If it's, if it's 90%, a lot of people even will go hardcore. Like it's 10% and 10% you know, intention or 10% mindset mm. and 90% strategy. Oh well, goodness. then you better be fucking right. Then you better be right. Because mm. if it's strategy and you're not, you're going, you're going as essentially all in on strategy, then you better be right. And you, and you're not, you're setting yourself up for a ton of failure because if this is the only bet you've got in life, then you're probably not going to pay attention when it starts to break because you're there to protect it. And you won't notice the shit hors d'oeuvre and, and then you're going to push that away. And then you're not going to notice the shit sandwich and you're going to push that away. And then it's going to become a shit buffet and then you're going to be out of business. 
And, Mm -hmm. you know, then you got what to eat after that. But, um, you know, but if it's intention and I am the solution, not the plan. I am. I'm the one that created the plan. So the plan's either going to serve my vision or it's not. And I'm going to pay attention to my plan or my strategy. And I'm going to keep tweaking it along the way. I'm not going to be romantic. This is why most businesses fail is they sit and make a business plan at Starbucks and then they go out in the market and then it doesn't work. And then they're just so baffled that their plan didn't work instead of saying, oh, this is our starting plan. And mm-hmm. if as soon as it doesn't work, I'm going to change it. I'm not romantic about how we do it. I'm romantic about who I am. I'm committed to who I am and being whatever it takes to do this thing. I'm committed mm-hmm. to the outcome. I don't care about the process. Not like I don't care. It's just that there's a million ways to get something done. Mm-hmm. And that's a mindset, right? I mean, most breakdowns with employees is not based on competency. Most breakdowns is attitudinal. Because mm. if I have a competency issue and I, and I still have it six months later, I don't have a competency issue. I have an attitudinal issue because mm. I didn't know that I was dumb before. Raise my hand for that. I didn't know that I didn't know something. And then, but I knew the results weren't working and I had no curiosity about what I need to learn and grow. So now all of a sudden it's a arrogance issue mm. or it's an entitlement issue and, and it's attitudinal. So I go all in on mindset. It's probably not a surprising answer from a coach guy. But there's just lots of strategies to get stuff done. It does, it's not just one way. And especially I work with founders that are used to being the answer person and they bring mm-hmm. on really smart people and they, they shoo them away because they can't handle diversity of ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, but if you have the right mindset, like, hey, we're here for the best idea, not my idea. The best idea best might idea. be mine today, might be yours tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to integrate all these. And I'm not threatened if my idea is not the best anymore. It's actually better. If my idea is not, my, I mean, the best idea isn't mine. That means I've done a great job hiring people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a growth mindset, right? That's a, an openness. That's a, a curiosity. That's a surrenderedness to what it takes to pull something off. So I don't know. I'll, at least I'll take mindset all day long. I love that. Last question, promise. Empathy. Gift. Mm-hmm. Hampering. Does it hamper you? Is it a gift for you? Well, how? Do, let's define terms. When you say empathy, what do you mean? relating to other people got it uh well yeah i think about so it can be both it can be both a gift and a hampering Mm. most people i like your definition what we do to get related is or the the nuances in relatedness i think is what i would talk about Mm. which is most people, when I think they talk about empathy, they think, if I were you, mm. or here's my experience, and they imagine what would be happening to me if I were you. In your shoes, right. Yep. In, if I was in your shoes. But I think about me, if I was in your shoes, <laughs> instead of what's it like in your shoes as Being you. you. <laughs> yeah, which I've actually heard so, is the difference between empathy and compassion. Compassion is, oh, yeah, I've, I've, yeah, I've covered before. That's great. Recently. But yeah, sorry, please. I've interrupted. Please continue. No, that's, that's fantastic. I've never heard anybody talk about that before. That's right. Mm. When I, so I, when I think about empathy, I empathize about what it's like to be you and what's, you know, yeah. so when you're doing something crazy, I'm not mm. thinking about what I would do if I was in your shoes, which most people do. And that mm. usually spurs on even more judgment because we think mm. we're better than other people, but really what's it like for that person that they did yeah. this thing that's crazy. They did this thing that's crazy. What must they be thinking about that makes that not crazy? Yeah. Most people don't go there. 
Yeah. They don't go to, because I say nobody makes a stupid decision. They, everybody makes the best decision they see. They with the information in the they've got. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and perspective, right? Even information, what they think about the information is more important than the information. Like their relatedness to the information is even, anyway, we won't get in a big philosophical jump now, but that's a fun one. We could talk yeah. about that for an hour. Um, so it's, if I use, if I use my empathy to connect to others, instead of use my empathy to generate distinction between me and them, mm. um, then, you know, I've got, life gets a lot richer. So anybody that's a villain in my life, I can be their friend. I get it. You know, it's somebody that does something silly or somebody that breaks a promise to me. I can immediately want, I want to connect with them. Mm because they must be suffering. You know, we always say a broken commitment is a cry for help. Mm. So if somebody breaks their word to me, I know they're in a tough spot. They might not know they're in a tough spot. They just might call it a Tuesday afternoon, but I know that they're living outside of integrity. And if they're living outside of integrity in that moment, they're, they're living outside of integrity, lots of places. And when you don't mm. have any integrity, there's no chance for confidence, not real confidence. There might be arrogance, but not real confidence. Mm. They must be really hurting. So that's like a clue that, there's a conversation they're dying to have that they're not willing to talk about. So I can go find out what they're really, what they're maybe even just their judgments of me are mm. the fact that they'd break their word to me and didn't care about it. And so I can, I don't have to villainize that. I can really come alongside, look at the world from their perspective and be their friend, even if they don't want me to be their friend. So for me, it's really fun. It makes life endlessly interesting because human beings are all over the map. Mm. And so it's really fun. Um, at the same point, I can be tortured by my empathy. I mean, I'm when I meet a waiter, man, I've got lots of conversations going on about this guy. And I'm really curious about I get, you know, I can't turn that part off. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't I mean, I, I, it'd be interesting to think about people that think that empathy it, it hampers them. It's a superpower, especially mm. if you do it really well. Mm. You'll it'll seem like you're a wizard. Mm. But if you spend time wondering what people are wondering about and get really good at reading people, it really sets you apart. <laughs> if you can speak other people's, if you're a salesperson right now, and if you can speak their pain better than they can, they'll hire you immediately. Mm -hmm. Most of my, you know, I quickly grew a coaching business. Quickly, I don't know, compared to anybody else, I don't care. But anyway, I, and when I said I was going to do it, three weeks later, I had 20 clients. Not the story of most coaches that I know. Why was that? Because I could, I, I was listening and I could, I could listen and wonder what it was like to be them and could say it more honestly than they could say or were willing to say. Mm. But when I would describe their world from their perspective and I'd listened and I'd intuited about it, I could just, I could describe it to them and they got that I knew them. Mm. And like I could, I, and I could feel for them and I could, I, you know, when I felt being them and I thought, shit, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to, if I was them in their shoes, this is fucking hard. Mm. There's despair. I don't know what to do, man. I want to get out of here. I want to make something happen. And then mm. I could provoke Articulate them. That. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I think it's a big asset it, depending on what you're up for. I mean, some people just want to live in their own world and, you know, finally like, you know, have weekends off and <laughs> go have a hobby or play golf or do whatever they want to do and go for it. That's what you mm. want. But if you want to make a difference with people, man, empathy is a superpower. Yeah. I think those people are us and those tuning in. 
at the risk of uh, not honouring my word. <laughs> that was my last question. Uh, we go on for hours. <laughs> yeah. As, uh, devastated this has been I great, am, man. You're as, amazing. As I am about that. <laughs> You're amazing. I love how quick you went. You were laughing like, I don't know, like a minute into our conversation. I'm like, I love this guy. He's so emotionally generous, man. Thank you, bud. Ah, oh, Touchwood, thank you for that kind reflection. And honestly, I would love to thank you for just today's conversation, but I know there's, especially in your case, there's a lifetime's worth of work that informs the conversation that we're having today. So just honouring and acknowledging mm. all of that work that's gone into that, Adrian. Thank you so much for being here, sharing yourself so openly, yeah, gregariously, um, generously with us here today. Really, really appreciate you. And uh, yeah, obviously the Inspired Evolution audience, guys, thank you so much for listening in. And on behalf of myself in the audience, wishing you all the best on your way forward. Oh, I'm really, really honored to be in this conversation with you. Not everybody shows up to play ball like you do in the podcast world. So thanks, man, for being here for like a, I don't know, this is like, a, this is a vital conversation. It, uh, you know, this wondering through how do we best serve folks? Um, anyway, thank you, brother. And for anybody listening, I, I really honor and respect where whatever moment you're in the journey and um, invite you to take some courageous action. You can always go back and not mm. be courageous, but, you know, but take some courageous action. I, I promise you uh, it'll be worth it. You, the self-discovery is going to be worth it. Um, so however, I can we've got free resources for you if you're not rep repulsed by what I've talked about. Um, we've got a podcast called the naked leadership podcast, which is a really a deeper look at what it takes to lead. Well, it's mm -hmm. not prescriptive. It's really exploratory. Mm -hmm. And, um, if you're into the fearless conversation, that's episode 121. Um, or, but there's a whole, I don't know, we've done about 200 episodes now. So, uh, we talk about context, really the mm -hmm. beliefs and the values and the conversation, the conversational nature of reality and the conversational nature of leadership. So anyway love to be a resource to you guys if anybody wants to reach out here for you i love that and also please do sign up on instagram like i said the content there super snackable super potent really love it and for if you want to go deeper we'll put a link to the website and everything adrian's mentioned there as well um into the show notes below thank you all awesome thank you so much for tuning into this amazing episode of the inspired evolution Without you, the Inspired Evolution Tribe, this podcast would not be what it is today. Thank you so much for your love and your support. Thank you so much for being so inspired to evolve. It's truly inspiring. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the Inspired Evolution on YouTube, the home of the Inspired Evolution's video podcast. We release inspiring conversations such as this every week, along with guided meditations and empowering insights all designed to help you grow and evolve. Honestly, your subscription on YouTube to the channel helps us out a great deal. And one of the other benefits, if you're having any insights or shifts from these episodes that you want to chat about, or if you'd like to leave myself or the guest a message, please do so in the comments on YouTube. I truly look forward to hearing from you. And as always, Tribe, remember to stay inspired and keep evolving. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 